Well, there was a married couple and they're walking down a dirt road and they are engrossed in conversation. And there's really only just one thing they're talking about. Have you ever been there before where something has taken place in your life or in the life of uh, the community or your nation that is so big, so life-altering that it's all that you really talk about for the next several weeks or months? It was like that after 9-11, you remember? Or for those of you who are, might be a little older, uh, when JFK was assassinated or when Martin Luther King was killed. Or there might be some in here this morning that even remember when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Life-changing. Or for some of you who are younger, when Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt broke up. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. But there are those times when there is only one thing to talk about. When there's something that has happened, a scandal or something that is so big, it just alters the course of history. That's where this couple finds themselves as they're walking down this dirt road, engrossed in conversation. They're not really sure how they're going to be able to go on. They're not sure how their world is going to look from here on out. You see, they, they were fed up with the politics of their government. And they were fed up with their country. And they didn't know what was going to happen. And, and, and their hopes and dreams had been dashed. Have you ever been there when your hopes and dreams have been dashed? And so they're walking along, and that's when all of a sudden this stranger comes up behind them and, uh, and asks them, what are you talking about? Now, they're already in shock. But <laughs> as they turn and look at this stranger, their mouths are open. They're, they're shocked that this guy has no idea what is going on. What do you mean? What are we talking about? I mean, because this is all anyone is talking about. How could he be so foolish? How could he be so ignorant? How could he be so insensitive? How could he be so stupid not to know what they're talking about? I mean, this was front page news. This was all Fox and CNN was talking about. This was uh, taking up all your Twitter feed. This was the only posts on Facebook. These were the only pictures being posted on Instagram was on this scandal. And so in fact, the husband named Cleo Turns to the stranger and he's just like, what do you mean? What are we talking about? Have you been hiding under a rock that you have no idea what's going on? And, and, and the stranger looks back and says, well, in fact, I have been hiding under a rock for the past three days. So why don't you enlighten me? And that's when they begin to, to talk about this man who they had pinned all their hopes and dreams on. This man who spoke like a prophet. This man who acted like a priest in, in the way that he forgave people. This man who they thought would come in and take over and thought would be their new king. See, th this man, they said, he spoke like no one else we'd ever heard before. In fact, when he spoke, he sounded like a god. And so this, this savior, this prophet, this priest, this king, who they'd pinned their hopes on, had been murdered. And their life was never going to be the same.
they didn't know how they were going to go on. And so the stranger, he begins to try to break the ice again. And, you know, it's hard to, to know what to say in these times, right? It's hard to know what to say when, when, when something so life-altering has happened. And, and we have good intentions, right? We say, oh, I'm so sorry, it'll, it, you know, it'll be better tomorrow, or it's always darkest before the dawn, or, you know, uh, phrases like that. We have those traditional phrases we try to help when something tragic has happened, when there's been a scandal, when we don't know what to say. And this stranger, he's trying to break the ice, but he doesn't say any of those traditional words. In fact, he, he turns to that couple, he looks them straight in the eye, and he says those words we all long to hear. Are you stupid? Are you stupid? Because... Thankfully, he doesn't stop there. He, he, he goes on and, and tries to explain to them why it was stupid. And he says this, was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. They couldn't see that it was necessary they had no idea that this suffering Messiah, it was something they could never imagine. A God who suffers. Now that would be a scandal. I wonder if they laughed when he said that. We like scandals, but this is one of those scandals that their world could not imagine, couldn't handle. A God who suffers. This is the scandal of the cross, of our faith. This is that scandal. And they had to reorient their whole worldview to figure out who Jesus was. They still didn't get it after he told them. You see, when Jesus is Lord... It changes everything. It changes everything. It changes the way you look at the world. It transforms you. As, as Charlie and Roman preached last week about uh, the change that happens, that transformation that should take place when we come to Christ. It changes who we are, how we look at the world. It is life-changing. When Jesus is Lord, he becomes the highest priority. He is the one who is placed on the throne, the reason for your existence. And it should transform how we love God and how we love others as well. These early disciples had to reorient their understanding of who Jesus was. They thought, hear this, they thought their Messiah, their Savior, would come in and make all things right by showing his power and destroying those who were in the wrong. They thought he would come as some type of military commander, riding in on a big white horse and restoring them to power. They thought that their suffering would disappear. They were almost right. I hate it when I'm almost right. Right? They were almost right. 
They were almost there. But they could not imagine how he would fulfill all their hopes and dreams. They could not imagine that it would involve suffering. How many of you are still that way? We, we have this wrong understanding of Jesus and what the Christian faith really is about. Because scripture tells us throughout and life reminds us sometimes daily Suffering is a part of life. We all will suffer. You know, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean, oh, now I'm never going to suffer. And, and, and sometimes we have this wrong idea as well that we think, oh, because we might be suffering, then Jesus or God must be mad at me. And that's not true either. It's just life sometimes. But see, we don't like that idea. But See, the suffering is not in vain. The suffering of Jesus gives us promise of a hope and a future. Otherwise, what's the point? I don't understand the point. Otherwise. But yes, I do agree with those disciples in a sense. Jesus did come in power to heal and make things new. Jesus is going to judge the righteous and the unrighteous. He is riding in like a hero, but he rode in on a foal of a donkey, not a horse. And he will in his power restore. But his power came from his humility and his giving of his life for our life. He is the victor over death, the one true Lord. When Jesus is Lord, we have to change everything. We have to give up all the other gods that we want to place in that highest priority. And that's what the Apostle Paul reminds us of from, his, from our text that Darla read from 1 Corinthians. When he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says this, Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact... There are many gods and many lords. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Say that ten times fast. When Jesus is Lord, when he's up there on the throne, then nothing else should take that place. He becomes the highest priority. The problem was in the days of Jesus, one of their big problems we know was idolatry, right? They'd make these little idols, stone, wood, ceramic, whatever, and they'd be in images of, of humans or animals or some mythical creatures, and they would bow down and worship these gods. Now, we might think it's funny, and, and in a sense, it is kind of funny to think that people would bow down to these little gods, but uh, these little gods uh, got smart, and uh, they got a marketing campaign, and they just repackaged themselves for today. We serve the same gods. They're just better marketed today and repackaged. Uh, gods like sex and money and health and leisure and work and sports or anything that takes Jesus off the throne. Those are those little gods. When Jesus, hear this church, when Jesus is Lord, he decides 
how we spend our money. Right? When you, so you're asking, well, give me an example. I'm glad you asked. The average Christian spends more money on lottery tickets than they give to world missions. Who's Lord? The average Christian spends more money on their family vacation than they give to God in a year. Who's Lord? When Jesus is Lord, he decides how you spend your money. I'm not sure God says, yeah, go buy some more lottery tickets. When Jesus is Lord, he decides how you treat your enemies, how you talk about them, and how you treat your friends, and how you talk about them. When Jesus is Lord, he decides what is true. I don't. We don't. And if we want to know what is true, then we actually have to read this to understand what he expects and what is truth. Now, we can debate certain scriptures, but if we don't know it, we're debating out of ignorance. He decides what is true. When Jesus is Lord, he decides how you spend your free time. When Jesus is Lord, he defines what marriage is, what it isn't. He defines when it is appropriate and acceptable to be sexually active, whether you're married or not. When Jesus is Lord, he defines your identity. Nothing else does. When Jesus is Lord, he reorients our priorities. When Jesus is Lord, our lives should show that we trust him and follow him. When Jesus is Lord, we should give him glory. When Jesus is Lord, we should learn to love as God loves and forgive as God forgives. Church, we must understand this. It is through Jesus Christ, as the scripture said, that all things exist. If he is Lord, then it should transform your life. So church, I have a very important question for you today. Are you stupid? Are you stupid? Because someone's gonna call you stupid. I guarantee you, you live long enough, someone is gonna call you stupid, and you'll probably deserve it. But here's the thing who do you want calling you stupid? Either Jesus is going to call you stupid and foolish for not understanding and living for him, or the world will call you stupid for following Jesus. We would rather have the middle ground. The middle ground has no power. You have to choose, as Paul also reminds us in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to, to us who are being saved it is the power of God. When Jesus is Lord, it changes everything. But the good news of making Jesus Lord is that it, it gives meaning to our existence. Everything else is stupid and foolish. See, Jesus suffered and then was glorified, right? That is what we will experience as well. In life, we will suffer, but through Jesus, we have the promise of glory. I pray that our eyes would be open to see the gift of Jesus to us as our Savior and Lord. For he is the true prophet who reveals to us 
who God truly is and God's will for us. He is the true priest who gave himself as a sacrifice for sin and still intercedes on our behalf, showing us the way to the Father. He is the true king who has the power in heaven and earth, who is reigning now and who will reign for all eternity and will come back and make all things new. Will you allow Jesus to be Lord? I hope you don't take that lightly. For those, for that couple who is walking down that road to Emmaus, when did they recognize the stranger? It was later on that evening when they invited him to come to their house and eat a meal with them. And as they sat down at the, at the table and they were about to eat, the stranger took a piece of bread and he broke it. And their eyes were opened to who he was. Didn't our hearts burn within us when we were on the road? Let us pray. We thank you, O oh God, that you were broken in order to make us whole. That in our brokenness, we can come to you. You don't desire that we have it all together. As the hymn says, you take us just as we are, but you call us from where we are to where we should be to grow closer to you, to, to grow in holiness and life. But our eyes must be open to who you truly are for us to truly live for you. So God, I pray in this moment that you would transform our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.